0: is alive and well this morning. Amen. It is great to have everybody tuning in and streaming online here at Berean Church. We are so thankful that you are watching and, uh, and that it is Easter Sunday. He is alive and well. Father, we're so thankful for your presence that's here. And God, right now, we just pray that you just come as we worship you, Lord, and inhabit our praise. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship him this morning. Amen. keeper. That is the God that we serve this morning. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful, Jesus. (laughs) Come on, let's sing this together. Amen.
1: are here working in
0: I just needed those lyrics I didn't have.
1: And be gracious to you The Lord turn his face
2: felt constrained to go down by the pond and do it from there which didn't make sense to me but I went ahead and a grandmother went by and she stopped to talk and she said I've moved from Maine to Iowa to be with my family and I don't have anyone to be with I I just feel so alone I don't know what to do I guess I'll just buy lunch at uh, Hy-Vee and and just have it by my Self. I'm hearing stories of pain that people are feeling that we don't talk about during the coronavirus. We have a husband in our church whose wife is being treated with cancer, and he can't even go in to see her. And I know that load is heavy, but I have good news for you. Yes. He's with you. Amen. He's for you. And right now, I want to pray for you before they sing it one more time. Wherever you are right now, if you're feeling lonely and alone, I can't be there to hug you, but Jesus can. I said Jesus can. And I want you to stand. I want to pray for you, and I want you to receive from him exactly what he has for you today. That's right. Stand up right now where you are in your room. Get out of the chair. Stand up. Jesus you see our hearts you feel our brokenness you feel our aloneness you feel our pain and I ask right now Jesus by your spirit that you'll fill every room that's tuned into this service that every place where people have gathered to worship you that they'll feel your love right now I command depression to flee, discouragement to flee, fear to flee, and ask that the Spirit of God will fill the room right now. Reach out and receive that, Jesus. Let your spirit fill the room. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let your love and your power fill that room right now in Jesus' name. I want you to sing that again. He's with us. He's for us. He's around us.
1: Amen.
0: said, "Amen, amen." Fist bump somebody. Comment, like, love below. And uh, just gonna have a great time in God's word. Amen.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't know what it feels like where you are this morning, but it feels pretty good here as we're worshiping God together. I hope you have felt God's touch for you. I feel like we've already had church today. So just let God continue to minister to you and touch your heart and give you what you need. If you're new to Berean, if you'd go to bereanhub.com, there's an orange card there, new to Berean, that you can fill out information and let us know about you so we can connect, connect with you. And if you'll do that, we will make a $5 donation to a charity in your name. Help us out with that. We'd like to get to know you. And if you have a prayer praise report, we're still praying over requests and needs. There's a blue card there that you can fill out and let us know what's happening in your life. And especially today on Resurrection Sunday, let's let's let our talk, let's let our expression, let's let our joy be evident to people all around us and encourage someone wherever you have that opportunity. Want to encourage you to continue to help us financially. We do need your help and your support. And I know there are people in the church that are struggling financially. We're praying for you, knowing that God is our sufficiency. You can uh, drop by and put it in the drop box out front. Ring the bell; someone will meet you there. You can give online or text to give. All that's available on our website. And uh, I believe that God blesses generosity. I believe that God blesses givers. And when the um, when the brook dries up, when the famine hits, when life is hard, that's when we need to continue to do the things that are right and believe God for his blessing and his outpouring so God bless you thank you for being part of us on this resurrection Sunday and so thankful for the power of Jesus Christ that wherever we are and whatever we need he's faithful to us before we get into the word this morning we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 I want you to watch this video with me
3: Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead in that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Siloam went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there. And they said, Where is Jesus? The angel said, He is not here, He is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here, he has conquered the grave, he's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof and there is I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ that was the thing that shook the Roman Empire that a man had risen from the dead that he was alive that death could not hold him Christ is alive he's a living savior
2: He's alive, he's alive, he's alive, and while we can't do it corporately, you can do it with me this morning. I'm going to say he's risen, and your response is, he is risen indeed. Yes, I need you to say it out loud or it doesn't work. All right, here we go, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He, is risen. he is risen indeed. We're beginning a four-week series this morning called The Challenge of the Resurrection, and I'm going to preach through the entirety of of 1 Corinthians 15. I've always wanted to do that and I've never been able to put it together in a way that worked for me. Paul meanders around and puts all these pieces together and uh, we're gonna challenge that, try to get through that this morning. If there is one thing that makes Christianity different from any other religion, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you take away the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the Christian faith falls apart. It's what holds it all together. It's our central truth. It's the message that we proclaim. The gospel or the good news is defined in scripture by three central facts. Number one, the deity of Jesus Christ. Number two, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for you and for your sins. And number three, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And without the resurrection, the previous two don't really matter in our human experience. We focus it all on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. During his ministry on the earth, when they criticized him and said, what sign will you give that what you're saying is true? He said, destroy this temple, his own body, and in three days, he said, I will raise it up. The central sign, the only sign really he gave that generation was that he would rise from the dead. It's central to our faith. And 1 Corinthians 15 has been identified as the resurrection chapter. And there is so much there of power. We're going to try to dig into that a little bit this morning and see what the implications of that are for our lives. So you can get the notes from the website. You can get the notes from YouVersion and follow along that way and uh, keep track with what we're trying to accomplish this morning. What is it about the resurrection? Well, let's consider first in the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 15, the fact of the resurrection. And I say that intentionally, the fact, not the theory, not the myth, not the faith, not the belief, but the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul presents a scope of witnesses to help us understand that. He says that Jesus appeared to Peter, then Jesus appeared to the 12. He goes on to say, that Jesus appeared to more than 500 believers. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then Paul said, then he appeared to me as one born out of due season. With all of those testimonies to the resurrection, not one of those stories was ever recanted. They give it again and again and again that Jesus rose from the dead. I was reading someone this week arguing against the reality of the resurrection, and they said, well, the only evidence you can find for the resurrection are people who believe in it. And I wanted to say, well, of course, if you don't believe in it, you're not gonna find it, and who else is gonna testify to it? Because once you believe in the resurrection and you see that it's true, everything in your life changes. No one accepted alternative theories as accurate. Scripture lets us know that they tried to launch a theory that the disciples stole the body away. Listen, they wanted so bad for Jesus to not rise from the dead that they sealed the tomb, put a guard there at the tomb, and I'll promise you, if there was a body to be found, they would not have stopped until they had found a body. You're telling me that all of these people who testified to the resurrection all joined in some vast conspiracy to talk about a Jesus that was dead, that they'd hidden the body? Wouldn't someone have compromised? Wouldn't somebody have crumbled? And yet, not one of them did, not one of them backed up. The Roman authority would not have hesitated to begin to put believers to death until that body was produced. They would not have stopped after any kind of effort to make sure, but they knew that there was no body to be produced. How did they know that? Because they had their own guards at their tomb. The own guards saw the angels. The own guards saw Jesus come out. I'm telling you, it's a fact. Jesus was dead. He was in the tomb for three days, and it is a fact that he is alive with a bodily resurrection and living today. You say, you sound like you believe that. I do, and it excites me because no one has ever, no one has ever been able to successfully argue away the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul presents it as a fact because historically it is a fact. There's not one shred of, there is not one shred of evidence anywhere not a bone that was found nothing that's ever been found to testify to the fact that he's still dead he is alive it's a fact that we build our lives on and that's where paul begins in 1 corinthians 15 then he talks about what i'm going to describe as the fallacy of the resurrection what if it were not true Paul gives at least 10 consequences if the resurrection isn't true, and I'm going to go through this really fast. You can follow along in the text. In two sections he says, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, here's what that means. Number one, it means we have no good, no good news. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. We have no message of hope, There's nothing for us to talk about. So think about, over the generations and centuries, the number of sermons that have been preached, the number of people who proclaim the good news, and the number of lives have been changed through preaching. And you're going to say to me that none of that matters. It's useless. It's in vain. He is saying that if there's no resurrection, we have no good news. Second, we have no faith. If Christ has not been... Uh, raised. Your preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It means that we have faith in a dead God. It means that there are no answers to prayer, only coincidences. It means there's nothing to build our faith on. Third, we have no truth. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God for he testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Here's what you have to believe. If you believe that Jesus did not raise from the dead, you have to believe that every evangelical is a liar. You have to believe that every evangelical preacher is a liar. You have to believe that every evangelical believer is a liar because we have staked our life and our claim, our reputation, our story, our future on that single central fact that means we are all liars Verse 17, we have no justification. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. There is no forgiveness of sins if Christ be not raised. Number six, or number five, we have no salvation. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. All of those that have died are like the grass that's cut off, like an animal that dies. There's no afterlife. They're just there in the grave if Christ be not resurrected. Number six, we have no hope. If only in this life we have hope in Christ. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then we only have hope for now. What kind of hope is that? To know that when someone dies, it's over, there's nothing more to think of. There is no basis for hope. Number seven, we don't have any spiritual confidence. It's impossible. Paul says in verse 19, we are to be pitied more than all men. The world shouldn't be upset with us. They should pity us if there is no resurrection. Number eight, There's no foundation. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized for the dead say? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? What is he talking about? So every religion there is on the planet has some testimony to an afterlife. Every religion or faith that's ever been perpetrated among mankind has a belief in something beyond here. And he's saying if there is no resurrection from the dead, then there is no foundation not only for Christianity but any of the religions of the world. Where did that foundation come from? It doesn't exist If there is no resurrection, chapter 15, verse 30. And as for us, why do we sacrifice or endanger ourselves every hour? We have no reward. We have no reward. Think about the people that have sacrificed all over the world for the cause of Christ. For what? For nothing. If there's no resurrection, there's no reward. There's no reason for us to sacrifice the way that we do. And number 10, we have no motivation. He's saying, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. What is he trying to say? He's saying that if there is no resurrection, then there is no sense in Christianity and we have no motivation to stop from sinning. But I have good news for you. I have good news. Somebody at home say amen right now. I have good news for you. Here is the truth of the matter. We have good news. Jesus has been raised from the dead we have faith when i pray it's not a coincidence or a happenstance God comes by and answers our prayers and we can testify to that again and again and again. We have truth that cannot be conquered. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life and where we stand is truth that cannot be argued against or defeated. We have justification. Thank God we're not still in our sins. The resurrection means that he has forgiven our sins. We have salvation that those who have died and are asleep in Jesus will rise from the dead. There's a Great day of resurrection power coming as well. We call the rapture of the church. There is salvation. We have hope, not just for now, but for the future. We have confidence. Don't pity me. Don't pity me. I pity you if you don't believe in Jesus being raised from the dead because we have our strength there. We have confidence. We also have a foundation that builds upon the resurrection. We have a reward that's coming someday, and we have a motivation to keep serving him and turn from sin. Why? Because he's raised from the dead. The fallacy of the resurrection are those who deny that it happened. Jesus rose from the dead. And every demonstration you see of mankind, of those who follow Jesus Christ, testify to that fact. He has risen from the dead. Then Paul talks about, and I think this is especially significant. What I would describe as the first fruits of the resurrection. He says in verses 20 to 28 of chapter 15 that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead demonstrates that life on this planet matters. Someone asked me this week, and it was a great question if the dead are going to be raised, what happens to those bodies? that have rotted in the ground or have been burned in fire or blown up in an explosion. There's no body to be raised. Well, science tells us that matter can never be eliminated. It can only be changed. And whatever you believe about that, I'm fine with. Here's what I know. The same God that spoke... that spoke uh, uh, nothing and spoke it into existence can do that again. He's not lost track of one atom, one molecule of your body. And when that resurrection day comes, he will call those atoms together from the north, south, east, and west, and they will all gather back together to stand before God, either to hear him say, well done, or depart from me. This physical life matters. If it didn't matter, there's no reason for physical um, resurrection. But what we do in this life has impact on what happens in eternity, and that's why Jesus raises the body from the dead. What is done in this life matters in the next. I'm going to say that again. What we do in this life matters in the next, and the proof of that is the bodily physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a day coming, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, that all, all creation will be redeemed, that it groans and travails today because it's waiting for the day, the redemption of the sons of God, the millennial reign of Christ followed by a new heaven and a new earth when everything will be made new. This entire creation that God spoke into existence matters to him and it makes a difference on our eternal future. All that God created, listen to me, all that God created carries his signature. And all that he created will one day be restored. And those who have free will, you and I, that have been created on planet Earth for free will, will be resurrected from the dead. But the choice that we make will determine where we spend eternity, whether we spend it in heaven or in hell, because you will live forever somewhere. The physical resurrection is the first fruits of that promise. Life isn't over at death. I'm going to say that again. Life isn't over at death. There are way too many testimonies. I'll never forget the story of one of our senior pastors, elderly couple, many years ago. I went to the funeral, and stories like this abound, and they told about uh, the wife was... Uh, passing, And they had her up in her comfortable chair in the living room. And, and she was s- <clears throat> slowly starting to slip away. Hadn't had much to say. Her husband is there praying, just waiting, being with her. And she wasn't very communicative. And after a little while, she looked at him and said, Honey, she hadn't been talking. Said, Honey, open the door. He said, Why? It's cold outside. Honey, open the door. Can't you hear them? They're coming. He said, What are you talking about? Can't you hear them? Can't you see them? They're coming. They're coming for me. Open the door. And when her husband opened the door, she smiled and passed away into the next life. What was she seeing? I believe she was seeing a heavenly escort that had come to get her and take her to heaven. Talk to believers, listen to their stories. You can call it whatever you want to call it. I'm telling you, it's evidence of the resurrection. People have seen and testified that there's something beyond this life that Jesus said that he provided the way as the first fruit. His resurrection from the dead provides the way for us. He was raised from the dead and so shall we be raised. The first fruits of the resurrection, the validity of this life into the next life, is demonstrated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fourth, consider with me the fabric of the resurrection. The fabric of the resurrection, verses 35 to 57. Paul describes the resurrection this way as changing clothes. This mortal. Must put on immortality. We are changing. This perishable will put on the imperishable. Now, I don't know what you think, uh, but on occasion on Facebook, which is a great source of sermon illustrations, and I'm not afraid to identify if I need to, people have posted their wedding photos and their high school graduation photos from 30 or 40 years ago. So I think probably the 60 plus crowd would amen this. Getting older isn't for sissies. Getting older isn't for amateurs. Getting older isn't kind to us. You can can look at your grandma and say, Grandma, you're more beautiful than the day you were married. And she knows that's not true. This body is getting older. A little girl sat under grandma's lap, looked up at her and pulled her neck skin and her face skin and said, Grandma, you've lived long enough that your skin has outgrown your body. It's gotten too big. These clothes are wearing out. And whether you live to be 90 or 100 or 30, we're all going to die. Aging takes a toll. It strips away from us. The good news is I'm going to take off the perishable <laughs> and I'm going to put on the imperishable. It's putting on a new set of clothes that will last for eternity here's the good news i have for you changing day is coming i think about easter and it used to be not so much anymore but everybody put on their easter best you know do you remember the bonnets and the little white gloves and the little shoes on the girls and the little boys in their suits Because on Easter Sunday, we're putting on new clothes. I'm telling you, there is an Easter Sunday coming that we'll put off our old play clothes and we're gonna put on our new service clothes and we will live forever in a brand new body. It will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, we shall all be changed. These clothes will never wear out, never go out of style. He says, get ready the resurrection says god has a whole new set of clothes for you a whole new body we look at a at a funeral and we walk alongside the casket and you see that casket there and the body inside and <laughs> people will often say it doesn't look anything like him or it doesn't look anything like her well it may not look anything like them but we know who it is it is them and that body no longer has even the glow of life in it it's a sad shell You know what happened? They left their rummage sale clothes behind, and they got a whole new set of clothes. What a glorious grand day that will be. Death will be swallowed up in victory because God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to bring this all together in this thought. What is the force of the resurrection? what is the force of the resurrection and i want you to look at it in 1st corinthians chapter 15 that last verse wraps it all together i've said everything i've said so far to get to this last verse how the resurrection of jesus christ affects you and i therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Three things about the force of resurrection power in your life. We need resurrection power in the lives of believers. We need resurrection power right now in the lives of believers. If there ever was a time that we needed to step in in the power of the Holy Spirit and banish back the darkness and the pain and the suffering and the loneliness and the despair, it's now. It's now. We need to walk in the fullness of the Spirit and let that light of Jesus fly out of us. And here is why, number one, the power of the resurrection, let nothing move you. (laughs) Let nothing move you. This isn't all there is. This isn't the final answer. People are talking about, oh, this coronavirus could, this thing could last 18 months. And then it's gonna come back in 10 years and it's gonna recycle and there's gonna be additional spikes. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know what eternity holds. And I'm not gonna let the winds of this life hear me, somebody needs to hear this right now. I'm not gonna let the winds of this life put me in a place of fear and doubt and despair. I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know without a shadow of a doubt who holds my tomorrow, and my faith in the resurrection is this story isn't over till we get to the other side. Let nothing move you. Humanity has faced all kinds of storms, and the ones who get through it are those who have faith in the resurrection and have experienced resurrection power. Don't be caught up in all the fervor and the fear and the withholding and the hoarding. Give yourself to generosity and loving and caring for people because it is the power of the resurrection that will hold you steady. Then he says, secondly, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Listen, church, when you understand this, nothing else matters, it's all going to burn. We're seeing clearly right now that the end of all of this could happen in a moment. We're gathered in empty churches and we're, we're not able to do church the way we used to do it, but we're still doing church because his church will be triumphant. There is a day coming when everything will be made right and you can give yourself to your job. You can give yourself to your career. You can give yourself to climbing the corporate ladder in some fashion. I'm telling you that it will all burn up. But Resurrection Day says, when you invest in the kingdom of God, you're investing in what matters. And I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about where you sow your energy and your strength and your life. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because for the believer, <laughs> you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I can't promise you that your labor on the job's not in vain. I can't promise you that your labor in your garden is not in vain. I can't promise you that your labor in your yard's not in vain. But I can promise you that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He will reward openly. What does the resurrection say to the child of God? these storms don't move me because my life is built on the rock. I will not be moved. I'll give myself fully to the work of the Lord and know that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thank God for resurrection power. Thank God for resurrection power. It's the hope of the church. You might be listening right now and you've never made a commitment of your life to jesus christ you've never surrendered your life to jesus it's a simple process and on this resurrection sunday this will be the best day the best day in the entire uh in history for you to give your life to christ why because today's the only day you have you don't have yesterday you don't have tomorrow today's the only day you have it's this simple admit that you need a savior believe that jesus died for you and rose from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord. It's that simple. Admit your need of a Savior. Believe in His provision for you and confess Him as your Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and if you're watching right now and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, now is your time. In this time that we can't corporately gather to to worship, you know what that also means? We can't corporately hide from the Spirit of God who's got His finger on your heart right now. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need your help and I ask you right now to come into my life and make me new. Forgive my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I would have newness of life. And I trust you as my Lord and Savior. And so today, Lord Jesus, thank you for making me new. Thank you for living on the inside of me. Thank you for being my Savior. And I choose today to follow you, to serve you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, Please let us know. You can fill out a blue card. There's a contact place on the website that you can dialogue with us. Let us know that you gave your life to Jesus so we can encourage you and correct you. And to the saints of the Most High God on this Resurrection Sunday, listen your labor is not in vain. Invest yourself fully in what God is doing and don't be shaken don't be moved because he has already given us the victory through our lord jesus christ pastor nathan's going to lead us in a worship song and let's just take a moment to give god thanks for his resurrection power
1: god sent his son they called him jesus he came to love Heal and forgive. He let it die to part my part an empty grave. face tomorrow because
2: bless you. Celebrate his goodness today. Express his love to someone nearby you as we celebrate today all that Jesus has done for us. God bless you. God bless you in Jesus' name.